0: Hello beautiful people, thank you so much as always for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs About Films. Whether you're a first-time listener or long-time listener, all the same, it really is super appreciated for all your support. And again, thank you for clicking on this podcast. In this episode, I'm going to do another revisit. It's been a while since we've done one, but since it was my 30th over the weekend, I wanted to do something to go hand-in-hand with that and talk about something that's quite near and dear to me, something that I absolutely love with a huge passion we're going to talk about the x-files in particular the first film of the x-files uh, fight the future which i really love this show like i really dig this film as well and i'm excited to kind of revisit and go over it with spoilers of course that's your first heads up um but the x-files for me is something as i say so near and dear to me if it wasn't for the x-files i probably wouldn't be here now being so invested in talking about films and tv it was a it started very young watching the x-files and my dad was a huge fan it's something that as i say, we both had a great passion for and it's again something that i have a close connection to with him about and i have so many different ideas of different episodes that i want to do about the x-files on joe blogs about films or tv that that will happen that will definitely happen in the future so i wanted to go over like my personal favorites what are ranked the best episodes of the x-files but i thought for ter- in terms of a revisit and kind of a sit down because any excuse really to see Mulder and scully tackle whatever it is, whatever paranormal phenomenons that's thrown at them, I thought, let's do the film because I genuinely love this film. Like, when I was younger, we'd watch, obviously, the odd couple of X-Files. We always kind of got them, like, checked out ahead to make sure that we were, like, my dad in particular, obviously, because he loved it anyways. He'd only show us the ones that we could probably watch without being absolutely terrified to our very little souls. But they were just instantly, like, these two characters, Bull and Scully, for me, were, like, are just staples as to my pop culture and love and admiration for tv and film and all of that those two are like the forefront and probably the top of the list above everyone they are two characters that i absolutely adore and so yeah i'm very much excited as i say to go over this film to go over what i love about it and and really what i love about the x-files so do expect a lot of gushing but if you've not seen the film there will be spoilers and if you haven't obviously do check it out because it is great it sits perfectly between season five and six however what I think this film does super, super well and what Chris Carter and everyone involved with the writing side of it is is that they were able to make this so consumable for both audiences. They've got obviously enabling the fans to get you know a good service and a good story for those guys and, and, and a great feature length for the diehard fans of the X-Files. They weren't in any way taking anything away from them. But if you're just your average viewer, anyone checking this film out could easily sit down and enjoy this. There is a lot in this film that you, you, as long as you like I say you know the characters per se or even if you don't it explains who they are and this and that but it's very well down the middle it's something that not many films to TV not many TV to films sorry do get right but it, it they nail it in this if I'm being honest to say they really really do as stated obviously it does take place between seasons 5 and 6 the story follows Aegis Mulder and Scully removed from their usual jobs on the X-Files and are investigating the bombing of a building and the destruction of, a cr- of criminal evidence. They uncover what appears to be a government conspiracy attempting to hide the truth about an alien colonization of Earth. Now, straight from the get-go with this for me is that they take everything that you know about the mythology as a series fan, if you're a viewer of the show up to that point, and they make it on such a large and grand scale, which I think works super well for it, especially when you get in other audience members in there who necessarily haven't checked out the X-Files, there's enough within this to be like, well, okay, this is quite a big story. This is actually like going somewhere. Like I say, I think that Chris Carter has done some questionable things with the X-Files, but I do think that the first film is definitely one of the strong, strong points, really, really well. This is like at the peak Of when like the X Files was really, really ramping up with its with its fan base and such, because there was it was just like a cult classic. Then it became such of a phenomena that people were really, really on it, and still to this day, like it's mad just how many people do still love and cherish the X Files so much so that when they released garbage as they did as they did towards the end of its uh, of its new run to air quote, it really did feel a bit of a slap in the face for obviously us long-term fans but that's another story for another day it's interesting enough to know as well that chris carter originally wanted to end the x-files with series five and then continue the show in the mythology in a series of films obviously this one would have been the first one of that but obviously because the series was too profitable and the, the fan base was so high fox were like no nah, you're not doing that <laughs> that is not happening so i think that it's interesting because in the grand scheme of things when when you know that it'd be for me anyways, I almost feel like, well, maybe they should have just done that because taking nothing away from what happens after the film and such in seasons six, seven, and eight, nine, even up to nine, I do feel that once, obviously spoilers for the TV show listeners, but once David the Coveney's character Mulder, obviously once he leaves ends kind of just in and out between eight and nine, of uh, sorry, seasons eight and nine, I, I just almost like, you may as well have just maybe tried to wrap it up with films instead because there were some things that, I do like in those last two seasons but primarily my thoughts are just they're the weakest of the bunch even even to an extent at times weaker than the newer stuff that we got because at the end of the day at least we got Mulder and Scully it wasn't just you know they did what they could I don't want to get too bogged down into what happened with the series and such but for me I love up to season seven like absolutely love the X-Files up to season seven after that I'm just like, okay, I'll just take it or I'll leave it, which is, a, which is a great shame for a TV show that I really, really, really dig. But it's just interesting enough to know that that was the original plan, and I would have maybe liked to have seen it, but then I also think there's been some great episodes after that. We will get there one day, though. Don't you worry. I say, I can't believe I've been doing this podcast for so long, and I'm only just talking about The X-Files now. Um, but yes, as I say, the film obviously centres around that, 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 that synopsis there that there's a bombing, there's essentially a cover up from the uh, from the secret government the government conspiracy and within that we've learned more about the actual overarching mythology in the sense of what the alien alien race have planned for earth and what the syndicate that being the conspiracy of men have kind of put in in the process to like to tackle that in a way so that's what we're going to be diving into this podcast, so don't you go anywhere if you're an X-Files fan. I hope you enjoy this one as much as I'm going to probably enjoy waffling and gushing about how much I really like this <laughs> show. Uh, but yes, and this film. But the podcast is available on rss.com, Google, Spotify, Apple, all that jazz. Really would appreciate if you can leave a notification button on. As to leave a review, sorry, that would be grand. Jump onto the socials, Instagram and Facebook, and search Joe Blogs About Films to find the Facebook page and Instagram pages, would you believe? Give us a like and a follow on there. That 2 would be awesome and all the same get in touch let's have a chit chat about films and whatnot and let's go from there but here we are then in this episode talking about the x-files fight the future which did actually like really well at the box office like i say it was i think a budget of 66 million dollars and then it got a box office of 189.2 million dollars which i think i said am um, it's one of those where I can kind, of, kind of sums up just how big the X Files has had gotten at this point, and how like popular it was in that pop culture range. And you know, this film is directed by Rob Bowman as well, who did it was quite a series regular when it came to some of the some of the episodes within the show. Sorry. So obviously, you've got these, the the team behind are just making sure this is the best possible film for all fans. Even if you say, as I stated before, even if you're not an X Files viewer, this is something that a lot of people can get on board with. It's just a great story from start to finish, and that's why. I really, really do enjoy this and rate it quite high in the list of films adapted from a TV show because they pretty much get everything everything right in this. Like, it's super, super entertaining. It's breakneck speed as well. I'll talk about the pace, but really, really a lot to unpack and digest from this film. It's interesting to note as well as a bit of random trivia that due to, like, legal reasons with Fox and the network itself that the X in X-Files and the opening credits of the film... They had to be, it had to be a different one. I just, I just find that quite interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the actual legal reasons were. Maybe it was to kind of differentiate between the film and the actual TV show. It probably would boil down to that, but just like a bit of an interesting, uh, an interesting take. Maybe as well, not that you would necessarily expect the opening title theme or the opening title sequence or whatever to be part of the film. But I do like that even though we don't get the classic opening X-Files theme, which in itself is phenomenal. Like I love the theme tune to the X Files. I think if you're an X Files fan, or any TV fan, or anyone, you'll you are familiar with the whistle, the tune of the X Files. But I do like that we just get that little motif of the you know the, the classic X Files theme just as the film opens, just slowly. As I say, the whistle. And then we're into it and it's just straight into like 13th Century Fox or whatever presents. And and then we're off to an absolute flyer because the film has essentially like kind of three introductions, which I think is just amazing. Like any other film, you might be sat there being like, this is too much, I can't take it all in. But with this, it's just, we just jump from fantastic set piece to yet another great set piece. It's wonderful viewing and and I say, it doesn't feel forced. Or it just, It just flows ever so well. To say that we jump from, as I say, you know, the Ice Age to then present day Texas to then Dallas within the space of maybe 15 minutes. It doesn't feel like at all, like you sat there like, Jesus Christ, like steady on, like I am invested into what's happening and why this It's all, it's all for a purpose of it. It's all to kind of bring out the, the overarching, well, the, the plot itself, but just what we what the mythology and how grand a scale the conspiracy is. Um, it really is excellent. So the film kicks off in the Ice Age in 35,000 BC and it's incredibly suspenseful. And due to again limited lighting, just adds more to that intensity. You know, we see these cavemen, these two figures in the distance to say the camera the is obviously quite far back but it's a great wide shot it's just complete whiteness and there's two figures running the distance before we we're obviously introduced in the classic x-files format bottom bottom left hand corner that this is in fact obviously 35,000 bc in north texas within the ice age but this is the thing as well it's like something that we've never seen before within the x-files you know to go this far back almost to see these older beings explore and come across we maybe be one of the first men to come across the extraterrestrial life form that is obviously within this cave. I think that it's all just shrouded in mystery, but at the same time, it's enough for us to be like, this is mega, where is this going to go kind of thing? Because one of the things that I think that they do incredibly well with the the actual design as well for the, for the extraterrestrials in this film is that they make the aliens so terrifying and quite literally dangerous which is something that the show up until this point had not really touched upon anything like this for the extraterrestrials that is you know they'd never really designed them like that they've always been like little green men or just this and that like never this ferocious and genuinely terrifying like it's something i remember seeing as a, as, as a youngster being like these moments were the ones i dreaded the most i probably didn't watch them I, you know when i was quite young when this first dropped to whatever because, as I say, they were very violent, very like horror esque as well. And again, due to that limited lighting and, and the actual sharp cuts and the shaky cam, it just makes everything even more absolutely bloody terrifying. But again, we come back to the actual conspiracy, and the whole virus side of this film. This particular extraterrestrial has got the purity virus or the black oil, however you want to call it. You know, it's part of its DNA. It's essentially, it's like its blood. And once the caveman stabs this alien it oozes out and it is an alien itself. It will then obviously go to attack and and, and take over and, and infect. It's just, again, a, that added little extra tip bit of, like, this alien species is absolutely terrifying. I just think it was a fantastic opening saying to see the other caveman that's frozen up in, in this cave, again, all that with a question mark of, what is actually going on here, then jumping ahead to present day, the same cave is then interrupted by the falling of a young boy, which is a fantastic shot, like looking up ahead as this hole breaks from f- into frame and this boy just comes crashing down, finds the human skull, but inadvertently himself being infected with the black purity virus. It causes obviously outspread panic, local panic, I should say, and three firefighters enter the cave and they never come out. And this is, again, just the, the wheels in motion as to the... The conspiracy and the setup of what could be this like pre planned Armageddon, as they call it in the film. It really is already like picking up and ramping speed, and we've still not even met our lead protagonists, our heroes of the film. And that's where we jump to, obviously, because we hit to Dallas. We do find Mulder and Scully here, which is again, these guys, man. Like, I I, I could gush and do a whole podcast on the chemistry and relationship between David the Coveney's Mulder and Gillian Anderson, Scully, but good lord. This is the perfect introduction to the characters. You know, they're on top of a of top of a building. They're no longer working on the X-Files. Obviously, spoilers for the TV series, but the X-Files gets closed a couple of times, does eventually obviously get reopened as it does at the end of this film. But within when we find the characters at the start, they're just doing the the standard FBI jobs. You know, your standard bomb scare, you know? Anyways, they're investigating that on a federal building in Dallas and it's just another, say, great set piece. We've got, the it's like a big, this is where you feel like the X-Files is big, man. Like this is getting huge. You know, we will come to the explosion itself, which is great, a, a great action point or whatnot. But I can't remember any time in this film where I was sat there thinking, right, come on now, pick up the pace. It's literally just zipping along super, super nicely, and and, as I say it doesn 't hinder anything whatsoever like the audience and not missing information. I think that they say they, they made it so consumable and so palatable for your average audience member it 's just really, really really top notch writing from all involved. but, as I stated there, it goes without saying that the chemistry on screen between Mulder and Scully is absolutely excellent. You know we also get our first line from Scully exclaiming Mulder it 's me down the down the telephone what 's one of the obviously catchphrases of the actual show, which is perfect for the film and then having Scully kind of just explain itself how the bomb scares and seriousness of them, only then to be jump-scared by Mulder, saying boom, whatever, in such a calm voice, showcasing straight away to your average audience just how these characters work. Scully is the, the, the level-headed and realist, and Mulder's the one that's not taking this seriously, as it's not really what he joined up to be part of the FBI for. And he's a joker when he wants to be. But this is it, I say, in terms of the context of the actual character themselves. Scully was brought on board to the X-Files to debunk you know, Mulder's work to essentially say, right, okay, what you're saying is absolute garbage. Here's the scientific facts, but there's some things that are so unexplainable in their journeys together. It obviously takes the skeptic and makes them the the, the believer towards the latter end of the series. Anyways, up until this point, obviously still, she's still on that kind of like level headed, um, level-headedness, if that's a, if that's a word. But before we do proceed, obviously we've just gone to the back of the kind of three introductions there and bringing everyone into it, um, and the actual story itself. I have to mention like these wonderful establishing shots that the film does with any new sequence or any new setup or the next scene. I should say it's a great transition. It's a great way that they do it. They like kind of plonk the audience into a new setup, and you know that could be something such as simple as you know in Texas we see helicopters flying landing. Over the actual kind of cave site where everything's been worked on now, revealing the cigarette smoking man. Or another good example would be when the kids are like playing in the park near that same area, and we just kind of track, follow you know the camera pans and tracks up to look over what they're looking at, which is obviously the desert and the setup of the the kind of um, the lab and such that the cigarette smoking man and co are all working on, uh, working in. So this is just a couple of examples. Of that, there's some really great ones as well, like the screen might go to full white and next thing you know we're in this, the Arctic and the snow. Just It all worked really, really well. Um, and it does it a lot throughout the film and I think it's a really perfect way to help with those transitional sequences. But back to Dallas and back to the bomb scare incident and the actual bomb explosion itself. The bomb turns out to be in the building that Mulder and are not the one that they've been told is straight across the other side of the road. It's It's detonated, having been left by another agent who said he could defuse it and it's that thing again is that you know sat in the audience that this guy obviously it's something's not up something's compl- not right i mean it, it well, definitely isn't when he's just sat there watching the timer tick down ready for it to explode in his face kind of thing. He's just sat there waiting, which again is super suspenseful. It's such a great like juxtaposition to what's going off obviously outside with Mulder and Scully they're evacuating, getting everyone off and everything's really chaotic. It then cuts and we see, you know, this particular agent, I forgot his name, it's going to annoy me, but the FBI agent just sat there and this delicate, classic piano music that the X-Files does just it almost feels like, it's, it always reminds me of kind of like water flow almost, like, you know what I mean? But it's just very nice and delicately, been played as this guy sat there watching this countdown timer get closer and closer to detonation. It's then revealed, obviously, once the bomb explosion goes off, and which is a great sequence altogether. Some of the CGI looks a bit iffy, but still, it's really, really effective, really hits hits the mark in terms of uh, an action set piece. But it's later revealed that within... This explosion at the building was said to have been cleared. That three bodies have been, uh, four bodies, sorry, have reported to have perished within the destruction. Three firefighters and a little boy. You can see where this is going. Then, in terms of what we've just expect, what we've just experienced and seen in the previous moments with the young boy and the firefighters. This is the cover-up. This is the conspiracy of men with key information on the existence of extraterrestrials, ultimately who constantly stop at nothing to put blockages in the way of Mulder's quest and search for the truth once again. I will come to the actual explanation of the syndicate and what their involvement is in all of this, don't you worry. But just before, obviously, all of that comes out to him, before the actual explosion goes off, like, the performance from Gillian Anderson in this sequence where she's evacuating everyone It's absolutely excellent. Like, it is killer. Like, really, really strong when she says the line, don't think, just pick up the phone and make it happen. That is serious authority. Like, she nails those sequences. Something that Gillian Anderson does so well and has done so well. It's just all all the time in her career. But as, as Scully, it's one of the things that I love so much about her. She has such a dominance and presence that she really, really executes that order. You know what I mean? Like, she tells them, you need to get everyone out of here. Um and this is this is it, is that the characters in the film Mulder and Scully, what works really well is that the characters are on two separate journeys within this particular story. After obviously this tragic news that obviously they didn't in fact clear the the actual building and bod and lives were lost, Scully is set to leave the FBI. She wants to go back to her medical roots. Whereas Mulder's determined to find the answers as to how four people could have possibly died in an explosion that they were told was all clear and good to go. It's ultimately though the realization that both of these characters do in fact need each other. You know, they they it, what what looks to be the right right thing would be to separate and to go their separate ways is not actually that these two genuinely do need each other. And there's such a good emotional level of that within the film. You know, even when Scully confirms she is transferring, obviously a bit little bit later on in the film, it's around maybe the halfway point or maybe towards the latter end, that she is going to transfer and she she's leaving. Mulder really unloads. On her, exclaiming that she made him a whole person, and that he owes her everything, that she owes him nothing. Like you feel it between these two characters, you know they like, especially for Mulder, like he needs Scully. These two are connected in so many ways, and they've been through so much together in these series. It's almost like they're too compatible. You know what I mean? They come together. They can take with those two together could take on anything, and we've seen them do that. And this is just, this is almost like. Too much of a risk, too much of a jump for them, or it's particularly for Scully to even think that they can take it down and stop and 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 essentially clear their names as to what's happened, you know. But they do. We also get the kind of there was a lot, wasn't there? There's was a lot of tension between the two, and there was always the will they won't they if they were ever going to get together, and then we nearly get the kiss between the two, um, and it had been building as I say for five seasons. But I'm glad just to talk about that for a moment. I'm glad that they didn't kiss in this particular section of the film or in, in this film at all really um like the tension within the two like it's always been amazing it's added a, an extra dynamic as well to the relationship um you know the bottom line is though that these characters do care deeply about one another, but they do have a greater purpose, and at this moment in time anyways i'm just glad that they didn't go down that route of making them a couple because once that happened, it just I don't know. It almost—it's like pulling the, you know, revealing what's behind the curtain. Almost, it's like i don't know. I enjoyed the build up to it more, or like, like I said, I enjoyed the will they, won't they. But again, that's a story for another day. Um, the other thing with Scully is well of this because I say it's a wonderful performance. I—I—I I, I can't stress how much I love, you know, Gillian Anderson as well as this character, but this character itself. But there can be an argument, as there is with many of Chris Carter's work, in particular with Scully, that she does become a slight damsel in distress. Um, as I stated, he has been criticised for this before there's a lot of stuff that happens to Scully that Mulder has to come obviously insane with this and that she does get some wonderful character pieces and some great character study uh, stories within within the X-Files obviously either prior to this and I do feel that she, overall she does have a great story and, and great arc in this film It's again it's about these two characters and their two journeys and, and where they're at at this moment and, and how ultimately they do become back together again at the end but like I do think that that I had, like I said, in terms of being a damsel in this film, I have a bit of a hard time seeing it that way because she's had quite a journey before it within the film. You know, she is stung by the bee and then she's taken to the the Antar- taken to the Arctic for, um, you know, the alien colonization section of the film. Um, the syndicate itself are always finding different ways to stop and hinder Mulder. You know, as I mentioned, that is literally what they do. In this case, in the film, it's due to Mulder's seen enough already. Like they go. Obviously, after finding out these bodies were were were, were killed in the explosion, they he's told to um, that the character the bodies were already dead, and they go and inspect them. They do see this like pretty jellyfied person that's clearly not had any autopsy done, didn't die in a fire. Something else has you know broken the tissue, the cells, the this, this character this this whole person is turning into mush essentially. Essentially, and it's like how is this happening? There's something obviously greater, you know, bigger purpose than that. But because they've seen all of this and they know that it's a cover-up, the one thing that that the syndicate know is that, that Scully means too much to Mulder, that he can't live without her, so we'll take her, and then that's it, he'll stop his drive, it'll stop his motive. Ultimately, though, it's just even more driving determination for Mulder to A, save Scully, but B, uncover the truth. Um, it is slightly plot-driven, don't get me wrong, because it's literally, it's it's all kind of just another way of getting Mulder to the Arctic to see, obviously, the, the spacecraft and everything that's in there. I'm not going to deny and, like, kind of have goggles on for that, but at the same time, I'm still going to be like, it's great. <laughs> it's still great. I'm all for it. Um, I guess now would be a pretty good time to maybe talk about the actual overarching, like, alien colonization and everything to do with that. Since we've touched upon, obviously, the, the actual cover-up itself, but the colonization is what is 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 what is explained by Dr. Alvin Kirchwell, a character that pops up in the film, that it's a planned Armageddon, stating that there's a secret government and their plan is to experiment with the virus found in Texas, the virus that obviously has been infecting and killing people. They're doing something, whether it's an antidote or whatever. The well-manicured man, uh, which is a great... I love the names of some of these characters as part of this, because they don't have names. We have obviously the cigarette-smoking man, the well-manicured man. There's some other in there as well, but the well-manicured man uh, tells Mulder that the greys arrived on the planet millions of years ago before the dinosaurs in a giant UFO that was buried in the Antarctic during the ice age 35,000 years ago the gray survived by turning into a parasitic virus known as black oil or purity waiting for the day that the rest of the grays returns to earth to restore them to their original shape The syndicate were told by the aliens that the Greys would use human slaves being controlled by the black oil. The syndicate agreed that they would work with them so they could gain access to the virus and attempt to develop a vaccine to prevent the enslavement, starting in the 40s. The syndicate then took a sample of genetic material from all people who were vaccinated against smallpox, creating massive archive that was hidden in the Strughold mining company installations located in West Virginia. That's a nice nod because that is explained in one of the previous X-File episodes, Paperclip, uh, from season three. There's these these boxcars that are full and full of obviously people's information, DNA samples, this and that. So I really liked them coming back to that. I thought that was really, really, really great. As a backup plan to the vaccine, the syndicate also attempted to create human-alien hybrids that would be naturally immune to the virus. It was this plan that led to the syndicate abduct Mulder's sister, Samantha, as one of the subjects. Again, as I've stated before, in terms of, you know, kind of, giving great nods and appreciation to the f- diehard fans, but also making it consumable for your average audience. This is the perfect, this whole explanation of, as to the actual, you know, the, the 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 alien virus and such, and what the actual overarching plan was. It's a, it's, it's a great moment for all fans, particularly to the diehard fans, because there's, Explanations. It doesn't fully explain everything, but it gives you enough information. In particular, it doesn't explain whether Samantha is alive or not, which is something the series does continue to go on with, but it does explain why it was that she was taken. Um, It is then revealed in this film that the syndicate was deceived by the aliens and was unaware that the black oil could evolve and gestate as a new grey, using a human as a living incubator, killing the host and leading to the total annihilation of the human race i should have said that obviously as i stated at the start of the film at the start of this podcast sorry these aliens in this film are very different to the ones that we've come to kind of see in the series themselves the greys are pretty much the nasty ones that i was talking about as i say they are the vicious ones what we see how the virus works and like I say in terms of gestating it's pretty harrowing but like the actual attacks and kills that they can they do they're also pretty terrifying as well. It's a great, like I say, addition, a great tweak and change, not even tweak, just a nice added uh, alien race to the mythology. Um, The whole gestation thing is something that we do see earlier in the film where the body of one of the victims is kept in a refrigerated bubble litter. The cigarette smoking man observes that the man is still alive, to which Dr. Bernschwang responds that he is biologically, but he will never, ever recover. He's now like a translucent body, having been taken over by the alien, been growing inside of him. And the cold temperature is just slowing that gestation process that they've set up in the incubator and such. Um, it's a case, again, that, like the cigarette-smoker men does all the time, covers up the evidences that try the vaccine. If it doesn't work, pretty much burn burn the body as they like they do with the others. Um, it, it's just a harrowing thought. Like I say, in terms of mythology, I love this. I think it's such a... It's it's elaborate and it's bigger on a scale than what probably we were expecting in the T V series, but I do think it makes for some absolute incredible incredible viewing because this whole this isn't just like a one-off, this isn't like a this is only in the movie, this is it. This is like as I say, it's the midway point of the series, so this happens. And that continues to say with those threads for the show moving forward. In particular, so the first episode of season six really does kind of carry on that. And it's something that I absolutely dig, especially say when you watch, you know, season five finale, then the film, then season six opener. It's a great little trio to watch. I just think it's a great, great story threads that in terms of, like I say, for the x files mythology, it works super well. And like it does make for some incredible and intense moments because the, again a terrifying moment involving the grey aliens we should say now there's such a horror-esque approach to it you know what Carter and, and everyone do within this once the aliens has hatched and come out of the body it's been gestating again with that limited lighting in this cave and a similar blue tinge to the opening like caveman sequence we got we do see obviously Braun Schwang see the alien in the shadows of the cave leading to one of my favourite lines in the X-Files where he says so much for little green men before he's ultimately killed after a few slashes and stabs, as I say, we go back to the quick cuts, the shaky cam, really up close as the aliens screaming down the front of the camera and you're like, holy hell, it makes it super, super harrowing. Really, really. I Even, like, in addition, the real terror on, on that is that once he's been attacked, he then calls up to everyone to, you know, say he needs help, only for them to kind of look at each other Yeah, not going to do that, close the hatch and then cover it with sand, burying their heads in the sand, if you'll pardon the pun, you know, they're covering that up, problem solved, and then we just move on to the next sequence as such, which again, I do think it does cut to the well-manicured man, and before he does obviously go off to explain the situation to Mulder in the car, but yeah... That whole sequence to say, in terms of them explaining what the viruses are, as I've just gone over and waffled on ever so, ever so politely there for you lot, uh, for you lovely lot listening. You know, I do like what they did with the aliens. I say I've already mentioned that enough, but I do really like say some of the horror sequences that we get in this film just kind of just remind you just how scary the X-Files can be but one of the best set pieces of the film is where Mulder and Scully chase down these oil tankers Uh, they're on the back of the train they do have the virus within these tankers and it's only like leads them to a random cornfield with two luminous white structures built into the middle of the desert and again the the panoramic and wide shot revealing this like revealing this is just excellent these two random bright lights in the middle of the desert has so many questions once again, especially for our lead characters. And there's so much intrigue and interest. You've got the characters walking through the crops. I love all the tracking shots and the overhead shots of them making their way through these random crop fields in the desert. Like it is, I say, it's it's mysterious. It's just like, what what is going on and why kind of thing? And this, again, leads to a, a wonderful sequence where we follow the characters into these domes and we can hear this humming and Scully and Mulder pointing out, like, Scully saying it could be, like, high voltage, maybe, and you get Mulder saying maybe, maybe not, as Mulder lays on the floor to listen closely. It's these kind of moments that I love within the X-Files, the unknown aspects of it, especially when you seriously just want to get to see what is happening, what's going to happen next, and we get a limited score again, get that classic X-Files guitar plucks, which are very soft, but it boils down to natural sounds, which, once our characters are within these domes, it really just adds up ups the suspense and once the panels all open, there's a brief pause, a brief moment where, where Mulder says, "Scully, then run," and the domes begin to fill with bees. And these bees are what are used to transfer this virus. Three thousand bees were actually used for the sequence inside the bee dome, and I think that they may have used—I don't know if they used fake ones when they were in the particular point where they're all dropping on 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 Mulder and Scully, or maybe ones that are either deceased—I don't know if they did—or ones that didn't have the stingers in. Something like that. I just remember seeing something like that on the um, on the bonus features. But a lot of bees were used, obviously, for for this sequence. And again, it's just another one. It's it's another one of those things. Was like a checkpoint. Like I absolutely. When I think of the X-Files film, I just think about the bees and such and these these huge domes. It's something that again I just always go back to. It's it's wonderful. But the film doesn't stop there with these wonderful set pieces, obviously, because ultimately Scully is stung by one of these bees a little later a little later, as I mentioned earlier on, just before her and Mulder do kiss, after he just pours out her and just explains just how much she means to him. He then has to obviously track her down into the Antarctic and it's I just love this whole sequence, if I'm being honest. And Mulder finding this craft. Ultimately, say it's where Scully and about a million other people are being kept in this, like, you know, kept for the hybridization and such. But seeing Mulder in the whiteness of the snow fall through the hole, there's a hefty drop to then find his way into the ship is really excellent. And, like, I like this, like, mid shot where Mulder descends from this pipeline, lands, and then stands up, and the camera zooms and tracks up close to him, just to emphasize how, like, small he is right now in this moment, but also in the grand scheme of things, surrounded by these giant. Green pods and incubators, which are you know carrying humans that are being gestated on, I say by by this 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 virus, by this by the grey aliens. There is a great long take as well when we get to see this wonderful and beautiful shot of Mulder looking over at the rest of the inside of the ship, and it's really and this is where I think that the film does hold up because yeah, fair enough, there are some like moments where the green screen or whatever, and, you know, it's just they're, they're noticeable and the CGI aren't great, but there's this wonderful long take. I do think. The moments like that in particular hold up, and this take, as I say, as Mulder climbs to the ladders, begins to climb down just before he slips and falls down, which is, again, really intense. But we follow him over the heads as as he starts to descend, and it's just, well, if he fell, surely he would die. It's, it's a jaw-dropping moment, don't get me wrong, because it's a pretty big craft, a pretty big ship, but it is just absolutely, like I say, just oh, anxiety-inducing, you know what I mean? But... I'm jumping, I'm, I'm fleeting from here to there because I do want to try and keep this, you know, I don't want to regurgitate the whole plot, but once the aliens do start to hatch in this uh, and Mulder's obviously got Scully and that, it amps up the horror and terror for these characters like it really, really does. Added to the fact that the ship is beginning to function and take off because Mulder's used the vaccine to save Scully, you've then got a semi-conscious Scully that can hardly walk and being forced by Mulder up the vent to escape, you know, all the while... These aliens are awakening and trying to smash up in their pods to escape, and the harrowing cries of Mulder shouting, "Grab the vent! Grab the vent!" Trying to wake up, but having them to to resuscitate her. It's just one thing after another in this in this this like final act, this third act of the film. And there's these fantastic frames and close-ups of the aliens in the incubators just snarling and scratching. It for me is like a fantastic last set piece. Of the film and like a big moment that really is like a great polish for the overall film for me personally, added to the fact that when we do when they do escape that the craft and the back on the snow the beautiful shots on of the spacecraft you know as it ascends from the snow over Mulder it's just like a French kiss for me like it really really is and say the characters themselves have been through so much throughout this film as I say that to go from just your standard FBI duties at the start to then having to essentially other side of the world and, and Mulder saving Scully from from this purity virus. It's just the journeys these two have gone on. I say whether that's together or, or solely, it's just great. But I love they say that it all comes back to that Mulder and Scully do need each other, especially that last moment, last sequence between Scully and Mulder, as she you know, repeats his line to him earlier, once he's telling her in the last scene, saying, you know, you go be a doctor. I don't want to see you hurt or die for my like selfish, you know, crusade in a way. Whereas Scully just repeats back to him what he said to her earlier that if I quit now, they win, and that's exactly it. That's exactly what the syndicate, what they've all been doing from the get go, is obviously covering up their tracks. But there's one person, the say, Mulder's father, always knew and wanted, should say that his his son too discover and uncover the truth. And while ever he's got Scully by his sides, the syndicate have got a big problem on their hands because Scully is the the drive and said that the again another purpose for Mulder. I just really dig this film. I think it's got everything that a sci-fi fan would really enjoy. You know, you've got your alien conspiracies, you've got good action as well. A little fun fact as well within this film is that neither Mulder and Scully actually use their guns. they I don't even think they point their guns at anyone at any point. I think they get, obviously Mulder gets shot, and I think he has his gun with him in the Antarctic, but I just think it's cool that there's literally zero, um, yeah, zero gun usage in this film for our lead protagonists. Um, it is such a great film. I'd, I'd love to know what people think of this in terms of, because out of the two films that we got for the X-Files, this is absolutely the superior one. Uh, for me, this is what the X-Files film should be. Like I say, it's a it's like a feature length episode and more so the second film is just like a, I would say that's an extended X-Files episode, I want to believe that the second film that is. But, um, but no, overall, like I have very, I've got nostalgia for this film. I've got so many good memories of watching this film. I even still have this film on VHS, along with my dad's uh, huge X-Files VHS collection, so maybe that could be episode in the future to go through the ones I've got on VHS and review those because there's a they kind of clumped a fair few stories together, you know, like obviously tombs and squeeze, but again, different story for a different day. But that's something potentially that we could be looking at in the future. Um, yeah, with the X-Files on the podcast. But I really dig fight the future. I think as I say, in terms of what it does for the for the scope of the show and the mythology of the show, it does obviously enhance and elaborate on that. And I think that it puts it on a great trajectory for season six. But ultimately, there's some wonderful performances in this between uh, David the Duchovny and Gillian Anderson because they're the two that we follow all the way through. It's literally... Uh, there's very few scenes that don't involve them two together. U- ultimately, obviously, you've got Secret Smoking Man, this and that, who has his scenes, but it is it is a great story, and I do very much rate the X-Files fight the future. Out of 10, it's like an eight and a half nine, 9, and that's obviously down to nostalgia and biasness towards the X-Files, but I ain't sorry, and I ain't going to apologise. Maybe unlike your... If I was an average audience member, I would give this an 8. I'd say it's a strong film, a good good high film. Um, but as an X-Files fan, like, I'm like, well, yeah, it's going to be near enough a 10 out of 10, isn't it? But it's a, I'll go with a 9 anyway. Just, just to go on balance there, I'll give it a 9. Uh, but I dig it. I've loved doing this revisit, and hopefully I'll see you've enjoyed me waffling about the X-Files because it's been some time coming, and there is so much horror, so much suspense, so much classic X-Files in Fight the Future that it's hard not to like it if you're an x-files fan really i think it delivers on all fronts i think that chris carter nailed it as saying so did obviously rob bowman as well in the direction of the film um but yeah i absolutely dig this I say it's also written sorry by frank spotnitz as well which i do apologize because i should have mentioned him sooner because again he is quite a famous name within the x-files um yeah fandom and of course with writing the scripts and such so yeah, I love this film. I think it's great. I very much enjoyed re-watching and revisiting it. I like to see this character journey, say between the two, Mulder and Scully, once again, look like they're on different paths, but ultimately are, en- are ending on the same one. It is a very good release, to say, from 1995, and one that I, or 1998, I should say, apologies, uh, and one that I will look forward to again re-watching. But I hope you've enjoyed this revisit. Thank you so much, as always, for clicking on listening. Do let me know if you're an X-Files fan, if you love it as much as I do, what you'd like to hear from me about the X-Files, if you do, Well, well, you will be hearing more, but if you do want to hear any more in particular, let me know your thoughts anyways. Until the next episode, thank you so much. Take care.